Welcome back to Rockstar 101. His name is Brandon. He is the DJ. His name is Jim. He's the rock star. Now, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I don't know. I don't, dude, it's like we're recording this on a Friday. You're and tired. It's, it's been okay. a really long week. Um, it, it's yeah, been a long it's just, week for everyone. I've, I did the Twitch stream yesterday. Right? We did the lockdown session and we didn't actually write a song. I, I, I put it up to the people as a poll and I said, do you want to do a song or do you just want to talk shit and just talk shoot the shit and they just were like yeah we're all really tired everyone had a rough week for some some lunar cycle shit right yeah yeah like my wife she got home from work a couple hours ago and she's just like oh like she's just just tired like yeah. this for some reason this week was just abnormally difficult for everybody so hopefully by the time this episode drops you know everything like everybody's able to kind of relax throughout the weekend and chill a little bit you know this episode we're getting I'm telling you, I've been excited about this one this stuff. because we're still in 1990 and we've previously discussed Alice in Chains' facelift, uh, Pantera's Cowboys from Hell. But this next album that we're talking about has arguably my favorite song of all time. All time? All time. Is that the teaser for the end of the episode or what? No. Okay, we're going to talk about it right now. I'm just now. making you wait. No, it's Thunderstruck. I know what it is, motherfucker. Oh. Okay. I, just, <laughs> I, I didn't know. Is, so, it's, so it's not even that that's the best, that's the best ACDC song therefore, correct? In your opinion. Uh, if you said it's your favorite song no, of I mean, all time. I, could be, I could be confused. I mean, if you were to tell me, oh, you know, like TNT or, uh, you know, any of the other songs, yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm not going to argue with you. But why is this um, your favorite? Why is Thunderstruck your favorite song of all time? I just, just the way that the whole thing was pieced together from that intro where he's playing up on the front and just, uh, nah, 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 and like, oh my God, like, it's just, it's amazing. Mm. Um, and oddly enough, when I was taking guitar lessons, that was one of the songs because the, 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 the teacher said, he's like, what songs do you want to learn? I was that's, like, I would love to learn the intro to that's, ACDC. That's how I learned. That's the best way to learn when you start. And he, and he taught me and it was, but he just taught me up here. He didn't teach with the, um, with the right hand. So this is, you know what? We're just going to roll right into it because the interesting thing about that is that song that, or that intro really just started as kind of a goof um for angus because the writing process for razor's edge was vastly different than what they had done prior with brian johnson um and razor's edge was really kind of the album that brought acdc back like they had done okay with the previous albums with brian johnson but well wait a minute razor's back, edge back in really black back in black was the monster like that, yeah. that, that album was a monster. How many albums did okay, they have? Okay, so okay, so how not, okay, so not every album. No, okay, so the albums, the albums shortly after Back in Black. I right. So say. how many were there? There was like two or three albums. Um, I thought there. Well, I here's how dumb I am. I thought that Razor's Edge was the next one when I was a kid. I thought that Razor's Edge was the one that came after Back in Black, but I wasn't really paying much attention when I was younger. But now there, there well, was a couple of duds in between, right? But we all, but we all had those moments. Remember when I was a kid, I thought Led Zeppelin was a guy. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Yeah. All right. So yeah. So back in black, that was that was 1980, and then um, we've got for those about to rock, we salute you. Flick of the switch, fly on the wall, blow up your video, and Damn, then Razor's Edge. That's a lot of duds, man. No one knows any songs off those fucking albums. It literally goes back in black, thunderstruck. Well, don't forget. Yeah. I mean, for those about to rock, we salute you. I mean, that's, that's got the. That's got. I mean, that's an anthem. Yeah. Right there. You know what That's I mean? True. I always think that one was off um, Back in Black for some reason, but I don't know. Anyway. So the interesting thing is Razor's Edge has the highest charting single 
off of it. Can you think of what song that is? Yeah, well, it's not Thunderstruck. I totally blank. Tell me. Got no it's idea. Money biggest, talks. What? Money talks. That's the biggest charting single the band ever had. So if you're going based off of the uni- the U.S. Billboard Top 200, so like if you go like, like the mainstream rock charts, they've had number one hits and everything like yeah, that. Yeah. But if you're going on just the 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 Billboard Top 200, which is now for ACDC, Highway to Hell only made it to number 47. Is this based on uh, sales or radio? Um, it's the Billboard charts. However, Billboard um, used to it's, it used uh, to it's be- the chart positions. It's the chart positions, sales figures, and uh, certifications. So it's all three. I'm guessing that's what it is. That's weird. Okay, I don't think that's right. So <laughs> Money Talks okay. was the highest one. It made number 23. Okay, that's fucking weird. Right? Like, that's really weird that a song... I, I had have heard Money Talks a couple of times, and then I refreshed myself when I was listening to the p- playlist. Shout out to Brandon for making the playlist. The playlist is linked underneath the YouTube video. Go ahead and throw any comments in the description, whether you agree or disagree. And don't forget to hit yeah. the like button and the notification button and the subscribe button. The reason we ask you to do that is because it helps us out more than you know for the channel. But I'll tell you, I, should I get into now what my unpopular, um, I, I have, I think I, okay, let's just, let's just fucking be real. I hold on. Ha- okay. Hold wait. on. Hold on. Pause. Put a pin in that. Okay. Um, because so it's the Billboard Hot 100 charts okay. that we were talking about for ACDC. Yeah. And so that is a compilation of sales, radio play, online streaming, which obviously back so then it wasn't. So they just pull it all together. So, like- so they pull all that information and then that's how they base it. And Money Talks was the highest charting ACDC song of well, all time. It yeah. reached number 23. No other song topped number 30. That's weird. Okay. Well, mind, that just right? shows the, the fucking... Billboard's got a real bureaucratic setup. That's just backwards mm-hmm. because ACDC's fucking ACDC. Anyway, all right. <clears throat> so I just want to be real for a second about ACDC. I want to know if you agree, and I want to know in the comments if everyone else agrees. I think that Money Talks, was it doesn't do it for me, man. And the rest of the album, it doesn't do it for me. Thunderstruck does it for me, and then I always go back to Back in Black and the old cuts, and then that's it. Like you, for me, I can't get past whole lot of Rosie or let there be rock or back in black or it thunderstruck. Once you get past those songs, they've got the biggest hits in the world and they got so fucking many of them. By the time you get through the hits, you kind of had your fill of ACDC. I remember going to an ACDC show and getting physically exhausted and I was sitting there, I was sitting down. <laughs> I just yeah. remember two and a half hours in, I'm like, it's the same sonic frequency for two fucking hours, just right in your face. And they don't, the only thing that Angus does is turn his guitar down a little bit on the volume knob, which is dope. It's gangster as fuck to not have any pedals or anything in between your chain. Just be like, I'm just going to turn it down. And then, oh, the drums are coming in. Let's turn it back up. Like, that's it. That's all he fucking did. But am I the only one? Like, I think a lot of people have this thing of like, yeah, ACDC's the hits and no one... I doubt ACDC doesn't give a fuck about their deep cuts. By the way, I think we have to get to, at some point, I'm going to tease, that my favorite quote about rock and roll came from Angus in an interview where he literally just told the interviewer to suck a bag of dicks in the most (laughs) eloquent way, in the most beautiful fucking way where he just humbled and 180'd the shit. But we'll get that at the end. But am I the only one? Do you really think that like all their other cuts are like, 
Do you listen to that shit? Every now and then. But like you said, there are so many hits. Yeah. You're listening to them for a long time. And, and, by, the time, really to and by the time the you're done, guys, you're tired. I'm fucking tired. By the time I listen, if I go to Spotify and go, this is ACDC and it plays the first 10 songs, which are all absolute bangers. After 10 songs, I'm like, I need a little something else. I got to put on a different band. Like, fuck. <laughs> well, one of my other favorite songs actually is on Razor's Edge 2. Um, and we get to play it during the holiday season on rock stations. It's Mistress for Christmas. And I don't know what it is about that song, but just the way, again, like Thunderstruck, the way that it was composed, I, I love it. Like, right. I absolutely love it. You can completely take the lyrics out and just the, just the, the tone of it. I, I absolutely love that song. And one of the things that I'm going to start doing here as well is my kid has recently gotten into ACDC. Um, she has a friend of hers in one of her classes who was wearing an ACDC shirt. So they got to talking about it. And um, I think as we were talking about it, because it was because ACDC came on, uh, on on one of my playlists. It was, of course, it was Thunderstruck. So she started asking about it. So I'm going to start, you know, maybe introducing her to a little bit more ACDC and we're going to see how that goes. But I mean, I get what you're saying where it can be a lot because the one thing with ACDC is they're somehow immune to, oh, well, all their songs sound the same. Like there's so many times where a band will release an album and then they release another album and then the biggest complaint people have... Do you know why? It's one of two. Do you know why? It's either... I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they're immune. Because they were the first. They they were the first band to sound like that. They created the ACDC sound. No one is going to listen to ACDC and saying, I wonder what they've... Wonder what they're doing now. They don't want ACDC to change. They don't want them to sound any different. And this goes to my exact point, which we're going to lap right when we're done on this. <clears throat> Angus Young did an interview on their <clears throat> one one of. I'm not going to say which number because it's the point of the story. He's doing an interview promoting one of their albums, and the guy, a kid, mm-hmm. comes in and he's like, "So you're one of the biggest rock bands in history, and um, how?" how can you explain the fact that you're one of the biggest bands in history and you have 10 albums that all sound exactly the same? And Angus Young, without a beat, just said, that's not fair at all. I don't think that's fair of us at all. And I think you should do your research because we have 12 albums that all sound exactly the same. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, we're ACDC, suck it. Well, do you think that 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 attitude... Lap. I mean, obviously the success of the music and how good it is got them there. But yeah. then do you also think that that sort of attitude of, look, we are who we are and we're not going to change for anybody yeah. is what helps preserve that? I think that it's – I there are some times when I think that – this is my favorite fucking thing about ACDC. There are some times when I think that bands put a lot of time and energy into – like Nickelback. Nickelback's a good example of a band that sounds the fucking same every time and I've met them and I've worked with them and I know that their thing is we do this because this is what our fans like and we we've if we want to do the other stuff we do side projects but we we stay true to our brand and we do our thing and we don't release it till it's perfect. ACDC is the Taoist Zen master of I don't know how to do anything else and this is fun. Like they're like this works why would I why ain't broke don't fix it. Don't fix Fuck it. Fuck off. Yeah, like all- they don't, they're not thinking about brand recognition. They're like, dude, we don't want to make other shit because we don't like other shit. We play this rock and roll. It works for us. We have a fucking pounds and beers, rock the stage. 
what the f- just shut up <laughs> they they're also one of those bands you know how we've talked about rage against the machine before being kind of that elusive band live mm. acdc is another band like that for me where there's been a couple of times they've come to wherever i was living at the time and i was probably would have been able to get tickets but i was out of town or busy that like there was always something that came up and now you know it's that that band is whittling down because you know you had malcolm pass away hmm. um brian johnson remember he got kicked out of the band just a few years ago they brought in axel rose yeah, i know is to he be back? a singer of acdc is for he, a while he, so he, brian johnson's back remember we got the new album from them uh just recently from acdc yeah so they're they're back and they're you know kicking ass and I heard that he, he doing, was, doing that ACDC thing. Man. I heard that he was out of the band because he went deaf, like he couldn't hear that anymore. That was the rumor. Um, we had heard some because right around when this was happening, or shortly after, was when Jim Brewer came into town, and that's you know the whole story of Jim Brewer basically hooking me up, you know, with Metallica. Mm. Um, and so we got to talking to him about it off air, and he had said that. It was one of those issues where, um, like Brian Johnson had, had got home, and all of his stuff was just there. It was like a bad breakup. Oh yeah, I, I've got no and, idea and, how and, that feels. And it was beca- and, and like he he had been having issues. I mean, Christ, they were they're, they're like the loudest band. Hmm. Um, I think ever. Were they, were, uh, well, the Guinness, they're in the Guinness I, I, Book I, I, of I Records. I want to track that statement a little bit. They're one of the loudest, if not the loudest. You know, it's destroyed Brian Johnson's hearing, man. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's, it's ACDC is, you know, flipping ACDC. Yeah. And um, there was a point that I was going to make like Oops. two minutes ago and I completely spaced on what the hell it was. <laughs> oh, so because remember, this is what I was going to make about the, the, the complaints about bands where you have one of two complaints when, yes. and it usually happens by the second album maybe the third album or, or whatever the sequence may be yeah. is that the first complaint it's either they don't sound like them. Yeah. Like why, like, wh- like what are they doing? Lincoln park used to get this all the time. Remember it was because, well, it doesn't sound like Lincoln park on the third well, yeah, album. It's yeah. Lincoln park. Yeah. But then the other complaint was um, it's either they don't sound like themselves or, Oh my God, it's the exact same thing. Disturbed gets that all the, this has happened again, guys. I thought we'd be able to skip this. His internet has been dropping down for like 30 seconds at a time. And it happened on the call before we started. Sorry. But on the flip, I think that there's no way that every ba- there's no way that every band doesn't drop into this problem. We're like, and as a music fan, I get it. Because every band gets two albums. The puppies had the exact same thing. We had two albums that sounded in the same lane and then connect... The third album just went to dog shit because half the record kind of sounded like it was supposed to be a follow-up and the other half was all this new experimental shit. And it, it, there was a whole bunch of, whoops, all right, he's totally gone. There you are. You're back. Are we there? Yeah, we're back okay. now. Okay. All right. I was just saying, I fell into that. Did you keep it Connect. rolling? Yeah, I fell into that with Connect because first two albums sounded the same. Third one was just this mashup of, it just sounded like a band that was breaking up but had really good producers to make half the album sound great. And then the other half was kind of fucking phoned in and like, and I can talk about it now, but that's, that's really typical. And we, as a band, I remember we sat down and we were like, it was, it was, a f- it was stupid to think this way. Now in retrospect, we should have just given everyone what they wanted for one more album. But we said, 
we've done that and it's worked out well, why we really logically were like, why would we just write the same album again? Like, let's put on some rock and songs. But they literally were like, we need the follow-up to maybe, the follow-up to you're going down. Let's copy the tempo. Let's copy the chord. Let's copy the key. Let's do the same, like what Nickelback did. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to replicate it. And we, apart from the fact that the band was really on in on the process of going different ways, but we had a record to deliver, we no one got it. We were like, this. we've done this and we don't want to play the same thing live for two and a half years. And it was stupid. We should have just sucked it up and given everyone what they fucking wanted, but we were more interested in being artists 10 years ago because we were fucking stupid. And um, and I think that's what happens with a lot of bands. But at the same time, I guarantee you, if we had released Tripolar 2.0, half the fans would have been like, dude, we've heard this. This is the same fucking thing. You guys you guys are just like every other... Like, there's, you can't fucking win. You can't win. So you may, that was what we really thought. We were like, if we do the same thing, people are going to... There's going to the be the people side. that like it because it's the people same. People going to hate people, it either way. Hate it because it's the same. But if you go too different, yeah. it's there's going to be the people who hate it because it's yeah. different. And there's the people who are going to love it because it's different. And yeah. that's why longevity, I think, is something that is very rare these oh, yeah. days. To have the staying power, some of the bands that are out there. When you you want to look at more of the active rock bands that are out there, you want to look at <clears throat> Godsmack is the perfect example. They've been able to morph their sound mm. into. I mean, they kind of came out of. The, uh, they came I mean, out I of guess new metal. They would fall into the new metal. They, yeah, they came out of new metal. They, but now they're. They I, 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 I throw new, them more. They're just straight rock and roll. They fell into new point. metal the way that every band fell into grunge because it was yeah. just what was happening because they had low- and, it's, and it was in that uh, that same time frame exactly yeah. but they they weren't new metal at all there was no hip hop elements they just had low guitars and big fat drums but that was what yeah. rock was called at the time but I think you're absolutely right. And shout out to Shannon, who is my favorite drummer of all fucking time, who I have to get on a record at some point. We've been talking for years about doing something together. It's going to be so dope when we do. Um, but they, they're a good example of, and I think that that is calculated. I think that he's a smart, Sully's a smart motherfucker, where he's like, mm-hmm. I'm doing, I ain't changing, but I can't do the exact same thing. So he just added in just enough tracks and just enough synth elements and then I'm sure that was very well crafted by the guys. So, and they've done a fucking killer job. Well, and you'll notice one of the bands that we had mentioned earlier about a band that kind of gets knocked for sounding the same um, is Disturbed. Yes. And you'll notice from their first album to second album to third album, there were some pretty drastic changes because Dave Draymond wasn't doing that growl as much. Right. Um, because he realized he wasn't able to. To be, like like you've mentioned this when you when you talk about when you wrote Hallelujah and you didn't realize oh crap you know having to get up there for that song it's difficult yeah. and so then Dave Draymond when he you know after that first album had come out and then they're touring on that album and it's like holy crap it's, I don't yeah. know if my voice can take this yeah, yeah, so yeah. he actually shifted around the sound of him in the band just based on the ability um, or inability yep. to keep up with that just, you know, sound. Yeah, I did the same thing on Connect where I was like, I don't want to sing the whole album with that screamy vocal because I, I, I'll be screaming the whole show for two and a half years. I won't make it. And that's <laughs> kind of, for me, it was a bitch move. In retrospect, I could have stepped it up. I could have been like, I'll just become a bit. Axl Rose can do it. I can fucking do it. Let's figure it out. Brian Johnson can do it. Let's figure it out. But, um... <clears throat> But yeah, there, there's you can't you can't win either way. But it, we're we're going down this rabbit hole for a little bit now. But what else is there on what else is there on the playlist that we had to talk about after ACDC? 
Well, we were still hiring ACDC, man. Well, we done yet? We've only Why done two songs. On? Okay, well, what else, what else is on there? What, for the playlist? Yeah, well, I really want to know from the people who are watching. Make sure you comment. This is the number one question that I want for this podcast. Respond in the comments below. Hit the like and notification button and subscribe. All the good stuff. But I want to know, do you, the listener that I'm talking to right now, do you listen to the deep tracks of ACDC or do you just listen to the hits? I think most people are going to write in and say, I don't even really know most of the deep tracks. I know the top 10 singles that they had because they're on every second movie that has an action sequence these days. You'll notice that they don't put... Oh, they, were the whole, they had a whole Iron Man soundtrack. It was all ACDC. It was dope. It was so dope. But they, the, the thing is, I don't think that any other... I don't think any other bands can compete with that. There, there's no other bands that are going... No band is going to have 10 massive hard rock singles anytime soon. You know, like, and, and even going back to what you said, let's say that you have this stellar career where you get the three albums, the Holy Grail, the Trinity, you have one album that blows up, like Rage Against the Machine uh, had three albums back to back that were like game changing. Every We've talked about this. Bands have three seminal records and then usually that's what people go to for the most part. And after that, you have one of two choices. One choice is you stay the same, but it's not quite as exciting and fucking like it, it didn't capture that moment in time the way the first three albums did. So you're just kind of doing, unless you have a Thunderstruck, mm-hmm. um, which is why ACDC is one of those anomalies like Aerosmith where they fucking literally came back swinging. Or you change and you evolve and you then lose a significant part of your fan base for the new records, but people keep coming back to the shows because you play the original three. Outside, I don't think bands are going to have a chance to do that anymore. How many bands are going to actually have three game-changing records in a row and then have a career for the rest of their lives? Off, like who who can do that right now? Well, it's interesting that you're bringing that up now because there's there's two bands right now that are neck and neck for mainstream rock number one singles, and I think we've talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, remember who it is? Shine Down and Three Days Grace, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, I, like those are two bands and, you know, each one's been around for well over a decade at this point. And they, and they've had the longevity. They've had the ability, I mean, even for three days, grace, they've had the ability to switch lead singers, you know, in that process, you know, kind of like ACDC had to do when Bon Scott passed away. Um, But, uh, you know, Adam Gontier not passed away. You know, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> but um, so between those two bands, yeah, those are two that are just their their you know singles machines. Other than that, I mean, there's really good bands out there. But I think you're right. I don't think you're going to see anybody able to do what ACDC no, is doing. We have whole albums based on that. And <clears throat> oh my going God. back, is it cutting Dude, out again? What is with your system today? That's all right. We're 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 close. I don't know. We're close. But yeah, I don't. I think that power through, baby. I think that those two bands are going to be neck and neck for a while too, because I know both of those bands, and they're both smart. Like we're going to evolve just a little bit, but we're going to be true to the audience, and they work like workhorses. They're going to be neck and neck for a while. I don't see either of those bands falling off anytime soon. Plus, they got their foothold in radio. You, you, Shine Down can't release a single and have it not be played. It's an auto play. And three days oh, grace. Yeah. When they release singles, you don't. They don't really need to. They don't need to do anything. They don't need to make phone calls. They just put it out. Put out a single newsletter. Like it's out. Go. Everyone plays. Well, did it. I ever tell? Did I ever tell you the Shine Down story when I was working in Florida? Which and one? why I don't think we played a lot of Shine Down in Florida? No, bring it. Bring it. 
because I'm pretty sure my boss had a beef with Shinedown. Um, but now that we're here, now that we're here in El Paso, you know, we play a ton of Shinedown because they're they're still making all the hits. Yeah. Um, but what had happened down in Florida is there was a couple different times where he had because so down in Florida, um, my boss was also the afternoon drive guy, and he was prepping and doing interviews for Shinedown for Brent Smith, right, the lead singer. Yeah. And I believe it was back to back times. Brent canceled last minute, like last minute, oh. and that pissed Kevin off beyond belief. Right. And from there, I noticed I'm like, we're not playing that much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Now they they could be completely unrelated. Like I no, could honestly just totally be that, 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 and so I was like, wait, like I wonder if he's because I know like because because Kevin has had problems with a couple of different bands. There was a major issue with the Deftones that he's had before, where they just basically skipped out on their meet and greet. Um, and I I, I I mean it's I love the Deftones, but I, I unfortunately hear stories like that from them where they're just they don't care. They do stuff like that, yeah, and it's like care. God. Why the don't be a dick? Yeah. Um, and then the other the other was uh, Aaron Lewis and Shinedown, where Kevin actually wrote a letter to the record label saying, "We're never playing." Or uh, uh, Aaron Lewis and Stained, um, where Kevin wrote a letter and he said, "We're never playing Stained because how they acted was just horrific. It was just they were just being assholes, I oh, guess, shit. in this interview that they were doing with like an like with listeners there." And Kevin got a personal apology from Aaron Lewis, and from there on, everything was fine. Yeah, I think that. So, I want to. This is a good point to pivot on that I think for anyone who's being creative, like anyone who wants to be doing what we're talking about as a profession, whether it be getting into radio, whether it be getting into making music, whether it's rock music, pop music, whatever the fuck it is, this stuff comes back around to bite you, and mm-hmm. it has long. It, it, Bad feelings last longer than a hit song. Bad feelings last longer than a hit song. Because the people who like a hit song and continue to play it in their car, they're not responsible for whether you get played next. The people who are in charge of the playlist or hiring and firing people, and they remember that stuff for forever, forever. And so... I we made a point when we were touring, and I make a point now, like even when I did my solo record... I still had people that were like, dude, you don't have a major label pushing you and you're still doing as many radio interviews, as many radio spots. I'm telling you, the only reason, the only reason that Hallelujah and my solo record went as well as it did was because I didn't spend that much money. I ran everything myself. I set the whole thing up myself and I outsourced and hired people to put things together. But the reason that people said yes to doing interviews with me and having me on and promoting my stuff was because I spent 10 years saying yes to them. Because I because when they said, can you do this charity thing? Can you come and do this thing? We would reroute the bus if we could and we would go and do their thing. There was not a single thing that I said no to. There was not a single time I didn't show up. Even if I was literally physically ill or hung the fuck over or whatever the excuse was, you'd still get up and get there. And you'd make up a story about, man, I'm really sick, but I just wanted to be here for you guys. Or I'm really hung over, haha, rock and roll. And they're like, dude, it's cool, you're great. If you If you don't show up, and you don't apologize, for example. Yeah, they'll they they have people forget they have the power to just take your shit off the radio. They can mm-hmm. do they can do anything. It, it doesn't take many fuck ups to really reverse a career. And 
that really is like the reason that the the song I was surprised that my songs made it as high in the charts as they did considering I had no label no support I was paying for everything myself and it was because of the goodwill that I and I still luckily I still have all of that goodwill when um Royal Bliss released a song that I wrote with them and featured on I'm not going to say who it was but there was there was a couple guys that I called where I was like hey man we're close to cracking the top 20 I need a favor and they boosted it and they didn't get anything out of it. They just were like, cool, man, we got you. And, it, and then it cracked the top 20. And I was like, th- that stuff sticks around. So I think when it, comes to, <clears throat> when it comes to building your craft when you're coming up, it is much more important to have good relationships and be cool to people and figure out interesting and creative ways to build those relationships because those relationships will sustain you between your successes, your successes and your failures. And... They're they're worth more than the quality of your content. They're worth more than the quality of your song. And you can always get better at your songs. You can always get better at writing and producing and doing anything. You can't, rarely can you undo the damage of a fuck up in a relationship that's professional. Because people don't care. If you're a dick, you're a dick. If you change mm-hmm. five years later, if you're cool, they're like, yeah, we'll see. I'm not playing this shit. People remember. So keep it yeah. in your mind. Keep it in your mind. Lap. All right, as we are wrapping up uh, this podcast, there's a few more things I want to cover here um, on Razor's Edge. First, uh, I wanted to say thank you to the supporters. If you want to support the podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rockstar101. You can find me all over social media at The Real Brandalorian. That's on Twitch or Reddit or Instagram. You can find Shim on Twitch. It's at uh, Hollywood Rebellion. You can find him on uh, Facebook as Shim or Twitter at Shim Moore. And, um, a couple of notes here really quick on Razor's Edge, because this is we only have two more 1990 albums to discuss. There's this one and the next week's. And then we're moving on to 1991 after that. My plan is to cover Mother Love Bone in the final uh, 1990 episode here for April. Um, so that's going to be the goal. And then I've also got a couple of other interesting little tidbits, but we're going to be missing out on a ton mm. of bands. So that we're always going to have to loop back around because Megadeth dropped an album in 1990, Suicidal Tendencies. And then I also want to get people to learn Mark Lanigan. Are you familiar with no, him? I know the name. The name. I don't know who he, he is. He has <laughs> um, a solo album that came out in 1990. He's in that playlist. If you go to Spotify okay. and you go to At The Real Brandalorian and you can find the best of 1990 playlist, he has some solo stuff in there. Um, he was also the lead singer of Screaming Trees, and he's just got this really okay. dark, brooding voice. Remember what Lane Staley sounded like in Mad Season? Right. Mark Lanigan, right in that same kind of right. kind of wheelhouse right there. So there's a lot of stuff that we're going to be covering. But backtracking to originally what we were talking about with Razor's Edge, one of the reasons the writing process was so different for Razor's Edge as opposed to the previous albums with Brian Johnson, Brian Johnson wasn't available for several months because he was going through his divorce. Oh. So Malcolm and Angus were just kind of like, all right, well, let's um, let's do this thing. And then that's how they were able to kind of write the majority of Razor's Edge. And then the other song that I said that I really love from the album, which is Mistress for Christmas. Mm. Um, it, it, it turns out here, it says that in February of 91, Angus stated, quote, I think the funniest song on this album is Mistress for Christmas. Um, that song is about Donald Trump. He was big news at the time, so we thought we'd have a bit of fun and humor with it, unquote. So, oddly That's enough, crazy. look at how everything cycles back around. I mean, so, because that interview was from 1991. Everything comes and back to Trump. Here we are, 
Huh? Everything comes back to Trump. I have. I want to yeah, go back. Apparently. I want to go back to something that you said for a second. Yeah. Are you insinuating that ACDC's great songs only come when Brian Johnson isn't in the room? No, he was in the room for Back in Black. Was he? I thought he was. You sure? Do we need to look it up? Because I've heard that Bond died, and they were already they had a lot of songs that they were working on. Or mm-hmm. at least Angus and Malcolm had a lot of riffs and chord progressions and that they, they write lyrics and melodies just as much as anyone else in the band. And that um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I've heard that they enlisted Brian when the, there was parts of the record that were written. And so if that was the case, that would be very interesting. And I think that would be very, very fucking controversial to go online and state Brian Johnson can't write songs. <laughs> Oh Jesus! <laughs> no, he, shit up. no, he I, he was apparently a, a part of it because they've got quotes of him talking about the writing process and and going through and writing um, the, the the songs for for back. I love in your face how you're backtracking. Like I didn't say that. Don't say that on the podcast. I didn't say that. I didn't say you. I, no, you're the one that said it. It sounded like that's what you were saying for a second. It sounded like you were saying that he wasn't around for all of Razor's Edge, and then boom, after four albums of duds, they have a hit because he wasn't around. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I mean, that was kind of the truth. It was they, they had some, you know, albums that didn't do so well. And yeah. then Razor's Edge just blew the hell up. And yeah. it just so happens that it was Malcolm and Angus that yeah. put in the majority mm-hmm. of the work on this. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Looking at it. All right. I think we're at 33. So it's time to wrap up, brother. Yeah, we are. So I'm getting to, I'm falling in a rabbit hole. So yeah, this is yeah. the, 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 the sad thing of, um, you know, making a statement that we can't 100% verify. It's and all right. We'll check it. We'll check it for next week. That'll be our tidbit for next week. So um, anyway, but I think we've done the socials, we've done the stuff. Make sure you go go and put your. I'll, I'll be very interested. Put put in the comment section on YouTube if you're watching, if you're listening on Spotify or anywhere else. Go to the YouTube channel and tell us to fuck off. Brian writes amazing songs. Not that we said he didn't, but like go ahead and let us know what you think, and we'll be reading them on the next uh, podcast. In the meantime, Brandon, all good. Anything else you want to add? He's on no, the rabbit hole. You felt pressure during the process. Having never recorded with the group, none of Scott's writings were used in the album's lyrics as the group felt it would seemingly profit from his passing. Johnson reported having trouble adjusting to the environment and even referenced the bad weather of the opening lines of Hell's Bells. I'm rolling thunder, pouring rain, I'm coming down, blah, 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 um, in uh, regards to writing the songs for Back and Black. So he did write all of them. Well, then I guess you don't need to comment. The whole point was to get people talking, man. Well, they could still talk about it. All right. Let, Let us know what you think. In the meantime, until next week, thank you very much for hanging out. As always, his name is Brandon. He is the DJ. His name is Shim. He's the rock star. Class dismissed.